Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Today I want to talk about hope. Because I think that a lot of us at the moment just need a good dose of hope. And I think that we all go through times in our lives where hope becomes a survival tool. And I I personally believe that hope saves lives. And that without hope, life can look very dark and very dismal. So I want to have a look at what the Bible says today about hope. So hope is that feeling of expectation and a desire for something to happen. We cherish a desire with anticipation when we have hope. It's a desire for things to change for the better. We're always hoping for something to come. Desmond Tutu said, hope is being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness. An English philosopher called Sir Bernard Williams said, there was never a night that could defeat the sunrise, nor a problem that could defeat hope. An American televangelist called Dr. Robert Shuler said, let your hopes, not your fears, shape your future. Hope gives us a future, and in fact, That's what the Bible says. Do you know, hope is to our soul what air is to our lungs. Our soul needs hope to survive. What food is to our body, hope is to our soul. And the Bible says a lot about hope. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Hope is all about the future. But I'm going to talk about how we look behind us sometimes to muster up the hope that we need for the future. But the scripture that I want to concentrate on today is from Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 to 24. And Lamentations was written by the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah says this, This I recall to mind, and therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not they are new every morning great is your faithfulness the lord is my portion therefore i hope in him hope is never empty when we hope in the lord but how do we do this what does it mean hope in the Lord. David in the Psalms talks about this a lot. He says, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. And the secret of how we do this lies in verse 21 of Lamentations 3. It says, therefore, I recall to mind. 
and therefore I have hope. It's about our thought process. It's about the battlefield that happens right here in the mind. We recall to mind and therefore we have hope. What he's saying is that the reason we can have hope is because we are bringing those important things into our thought process. What we say to ourselves can cultivate hope or it can cultivate hopelessness. Our thoughts have a huge impact on our perspective of life. So we recall to mind, what do we recall to mind? In verse 22, he says, the Lord's, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not destroyed. Mercy is compassion. It is forgiveness towards someone, particularly someone who you have authority over. God's compassion and his mercy towards us. Some versions um, translate that word as loving kindness or his great love for us. So when we recall to mind God's forgiveness, God's love for us, God's kindness towards us, it gives us hope. When we bring to mind what I like to call Red Sea Moments, so for the Israelites, when they were freed from Egypt and God took them by a huge miracle, hundreds of thousands of them, through the dry bed of the Red Sea, saved them from the Egyptians. And the whole time that they were traveling in the desert, their hope was from that miracle, that Red Sea moment. And all of us need to recognize those Red Sea moments that happen in our lives. And they happen every day. They happen all the time. I have got so many Red Sea moments that just make me stand amazed at what God has done. Some of them are tiny and may, might be insignificant to other people, but special to me. But I want to share two of those Red Sea moments with you today that could have had life-altering consequences for me and my family. But something that God did that stopped us from being destroyed and consumed. And the other, um, you know that song Hindsight? It puts it so well. It says, the first line is, um, when I reflect, I find perspective. When we think about what God has done, it gives us perspective. It says, I don't need to know what the future says. Do you know, in the world, people are always wanting to know what is happening in the future. They go to all sorts of people who they think can tell them what might happen in the future. We don't need to know what the future says because if the past talks to us, it'll tell me this, my God isn't finished yet. If he did it before, he will do it again. I'll trust him with what comes next because my hindsight says God is faithful. So the two stories that I had, the first one, um, I was quite young, probably about nine or 10 years old. I was actually asleep at the time, so I don't remember the incident itself, but um, I was in a car traveling to South Africa from Zimbabwe with my mom, my grandmother, my sister and I. We'd gone on a girls' week to do some shopping down in South Africa. It's a long drive from Harare to Johannesburg. It's 12 hours, six hours from Harare to the border, six hours from the border 
to Johannesburg. You drive through um, wild areas, you drive through rural areas, you drive through farming areas, and it can be dangerous. There can be wild animals on the road. Um, in those days, the roads were better than they are now. Now they're full of potholes and all sorts of things you have to be careful of. But my mom was driving. I was sleeping in the back. She came up to this very large corner. It was a very long corner, but you couldn't see around to the other side. The speed limit on the roads were, was um, about 120 kilometers an hour, so it's fast, driving fast. And she came around the corner, and as she entered the corner, this massive bird, she thinks it was an eagle or something with a huge windspan that went right across her windshield, slowly came down right onto the bonnet of the car. And as it came down, it paused for a few seconds. And my mom had to slow right down. She came to a complete stop, completely bewildered by what had happened. And then within a couple of seconds, the bird just took off and flew off again. And then slowly she put her car back into gear, slowly came around the corner, and as she came to the other side, there was a massive cow stood right in the center of her lane. And if she hadn't stopped or slowed down, I wouldn't be standing here today. We would have been destroyed. But God sent a bird to slow her down. And the second thing, the second story I want to tell you about is when um, I was pregnant with Alex. Rebecca was about 18 months old, and James and I had gone out for the evening, and we'd taken Rebecca to her grandparents' house. We came back quite late to pick her up. It was probably about half 11 at night. We picked her up, and um, to get home, we had to cross quite a major road that goes into the city. We were at um, a set of traffic lights, and James and I were quite deep in conversation at the time, and we were sat at a red light, and the light turned green for us. And because we were quite deep in conversation and the road was very quiet, he just very slowly put the car into gear and was getting ready to pull off when all of a sudden, a massive articulated lorry, it was a Coke truck, I remember, went through a red light the opposite way at high speed. And if James had been on the ball and ready to go in gear and pulled off, Again, I would not be standing here today. And that, that affected me hugely. In the weeks afterwards, what was going through my head is that I would have lost the baby and my, my husband and my child would have died and I would have been left all alone. That was my thinking. But God saved us. And those are two Red Sea moments out of many, many, many that I could talk about. And when... When I have to do things like travel, and when I have to think about the future, I look back at what God did, and it gives me hope for his protection for the future. So we think about those Red Sea moments, but we also think about his forgiveness. Mercy is the forgiveness that God gave us when Jesus died on the cross. If we could get just a glimpse of understanding of what that actually means that our hope is secure when we trust in Jesus. I was watching an interview of um, a Christian, he was, he's a mathematician, scientist, and a philosopher, debating with Richard Dawkins, the famous atheist who wrote the book, The God Delusion. 
And Richard Dawkins said, if God is real, and if he is so amazing and so powerful, surely he could have come up with a better plan for salvation than killing himself. Surely he could have come up with a better plan for forgiveness than dying on a cross. He called it a petty and stupid idea. But that is the whole point. That this God who is so great, who is so powerful, who created the world, so desires a relationship with you and with me that he would give his life. It is the perfect plan of redemption and of forgiveness. And it demonstrates such a deep love and deep mercy for you and I. So we recall to mind his mercy. The second thing we recall to mind is his compassion. In verse 22, it says, because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. And compassion is it's a tangible expression of care and love for someone. And usually someone who is compassionate takes actions to help the person that they are compassionate for. And that Hebrew word for compassion, you know, in English, our language is so limited. Um, we hear the word compassion and it just, yes, I understand compassion, but the Hebrew word for compassion is related to the word for womb. And what comes out of that word is a deep motherly love, a motherly care that God has for his people, to care for them, to provide for them, to help them in their suffering. That's what compassion means. What a mother feels for her helpless baby, that's what God feels for us. And you know, there's a verse in Exodus chapter 34 where God is describing himself to Moses. And this is after the Red Sea moment. This is after they've been traveling in the desert. This is after they've complained and God has brought manna from heaven and quail for them to eat. And he's brought water out of a rock. He's done all of these amazing miracles. And what did they do? Moses disappears for a few days worshiping God and the people melt all their gold down, build themselves an idol, and start worshipping a golden calf. They turn away from God. But you know what God says? He says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's after all the daft things that they did. Friends, God never tires of compassion. I don't know about you, but I, I lose patience sometimes. Do you know, when I'm dealing with someone and they, they keep not doing the things I say they should do, or they keep doing the things I say they shouldn't do, I tire of compassion. I get fed up. I want to walk away. But the Bible says God's compassion is new every morning. It's like every morning when we wake up, God has completely forgotten about what went yesterday. His compassion for us, his care for us, his desire to help us in our suffering is new every morning. We call to mind his mercy. We call to mind his compassion. Thirdly, we call to mind his faithfulness. Faithfulness is fidelity, loyalty, truth, stability, trustworthiness. God is 
trustworthy. God is faithful. God is loyal to his people. And one of my favorite mantras in life is that the greatest test of God's faithfulness is time. Because sometimes in life, when things are not going right, when things are not going well, we look around and we say, where is God in this? When Joseph um, from the Bible was in prison, I'm sure there were many times where he thought, where is God in all of this? When Abraham had been promised a son, but his wife was barren, he would have thought, where is God in all of this? And there are many times in our lives where we wonder, where is God? And sometimes we just need to wait that little bit longer because the greatest test of his faithfulness is time. So I'm going through um, a period of motherhood that I'm finding very difficult at the moment. <laughs> and if you randomly finding, find me bursting into tears, it's because... When we decided to have babies, we never imagined, or we, nobody ever told us that one day we'd be sending at least one of them across the waters all by themselves to go to university. <laughs> and one of ours was going in September. I'm finding it really difficult. But the fact that he's going to university is a fulfillment of a promise that God gave to me before he was even born, when Rebecca was just a little tyke. And this has really shown me God's faithfulness through time. You see, when Rebecca was just one year old, we were living in Zimbabwe, and good education at that time was financially out of our reach. The good schools were the private schools, and they were very expensive. And I was thinking about, she was only one, but I was thinking about her education, future children's education. I was talking to God about it and saying, God, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? And I felt God drop a promise in my heart. And he said, you will never have to worry about your children's education. I've got it in hand. And it wasn't long after that, that... A beautiful lady in her church who ran a little nursery school approached me and invited Rebecca to join her nursery school free of charge. So Rebecca joined that nursery school and she stayed there until she was old enough. And when she needed to move on to preschool, another lady in our church who owned a preschool invited Rebecca to join that preschool free of charge. All I had to do was go in once a week and tell Bible stories to the kids which I loved. And then we were coming towards Rebecca needing to start primary school, and we were looking at the different primary schools available, and honestly, humanly, it was completely impossible for us. Completely impossible. But you know what God did? He brought us to the UK, where education is free, where good education is free. Not only did he bring us to the UK, he brought us to a borough in London that has the most sought-after primary schools in the whole of South London. And we settled there, and our kids got into a great little primary school where they flourished, where they grew, where they were happy. And we didn't have to pay for it. 
Then it came time for Rebecca to go to secondary school. By this time, we had moved to the wrong side of the main road. And the good secondary school was again out of our reach. And the secondary school that was just at the end of our road, um, their Ofsted reports were inadequate. They had one of the highest teen pregnancy rates in the borough. So you can imagine, <laughs> I was not going to be sending my daughter to that school. And our options were limited. So we looked at various options. There was a C of E church who we weren't in the zone for, but they would consider us because we worked in a church. But they were quite far away and in a different um, London borough. And Rebecca's journey to school stressed me out because she'd have to take a bus, she'd have to walk through a park. And in South London, that's not great. Then there was a school that had an emphasis on performing arts, and that was a good school. We were out of zone for that school, but they took auditions for 22 places. And children could go and audition in dance, in music, in drama. And out of 200 kids who auditioned for 22 places, Rebecca did a ballet audition and she got a place. But you know what? We didn't need that place because then God brought us to Jersey. And as you all know, the schools in Jersey are generally fantastic. And Rebecca did get into, um, they all got into great schools. Um, the older kids went on to Holia, which, you know, would have, that kind of school would have been out of our reach, even in the UK. And now we're getting towards university. Had we stayed in Zimbabwe, I probably would have homeschooled them. University would have been completely impossible. Had we stayed in the UK, university would have been possible, but they would have been in big debt because they would have had to take out a student loan. But then God brought us to Jersey. And we have the most amazing facility in Jersey where the states of Jersey help the kids go to university. So my boy's going to university. And that was a promise that God gave me 18 years ago. Now, there's always talk about how the states are going to change this provision that they give to students. So is there a niggling thought in the back of my mind? What will happen with Judah? Rebecca decided not to go to university, but the states of Jersey have helped her do a part-time diploma. So there is this thought in the back of my mind, what will happen with Judah? But I look at what he's done and I have hope for the future. And then finally, we recall to mind, we recall to mind his mercy, his compassion, his faithfulness. And then Lamentations 3 says this, the Lord is my portion, therefore I hope in him. What does that mean? What, is it, what does it mean the Lord is my portion? What Jeremiah is saying here is that if everything in life is taken away and all I have left, the only part is the Lord, then I have everything that I need. The Lord is our lot in life. Now, I don't know how, if any of you know that film, that kid's film from the 90s, I guess, A Bug's Life. Does anyone know that film? Some of you do. So, 
James and I, at the end of our Bible school time, had the privilege of traveling along the east coast of America. We went from, from Texas up the east coast to New York in a small van with a family with three children all under the age of seven. So there were seven of us in this van with three children. And their dad had set up um, a DVD and TV so that the children could have something to do while we traveled. And I think we must have seen this film about 15 times. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, it's a story about an ant colony who are bullied by grasshoppers. And every year, the grasshoppers force the ants to collect food for them, and they fly in, they eat all the food, they destroy the area, and they fly out. And if the ants don't do what they've been told, then they start killing the ants. And um, there's this quote that has never left me that the queen ant says in the film. She says, it's the same year after year. They come, they eat, they leave. That's our lot in life. It's not a lot, but it's our life. And friends, I want to say to you, and we hope in the Lord, the Lord is our lot in life, and he is a lot. He is more than we need. He is more than necessary. Portion is sometimes um, translated as inheritance, and as children of God, the Lord is our inheritance. And for those of you who haven't yet taken that step of faith, your inheritance when you accept Jesus is eternal life. And it's, it's, a, it's a concept that is hard for us to comprehend because we know how long we've lived on this earth. We know how long we might have to live on, on this earth. We understand time. But to understand eternity... God, our inheritance is eternal life. And when we cast our minds forward and we see the hope that he has given us, that he died for us, then our life is full. So friends, speak to your soul. Give your soul hope by recalling to mind God's mercy, God's compassion, God's faithfulness. Think about those Red Sea moments where his hand has been evident to help you. And then allow him to be the portion, everything in your life. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you that you don't just give us hope, but that you are our hope. You are our living hope. And Lord, I pray that as we go into the week this week, that you would bring this Lamentations 3 scripture to our mind. And Lord, that we would see your hand in our lives, that we would see your mercy, that we would be grateful for your forgiveness, that we would recognize your compassion. And Lord, that we would know that you are faithful to the very end, that the greatest test of your faithfulness is time. And thank you, Lord, that when everything is stripped away, and all we have left is you, we have a great inheritance. Thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. 
Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.